Thursday of June already 2023 six months of the year is already gone and we are here with Karen Ford we are talking money 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 this morning that's right so but we're going to educate you we're going to send you a good strong TEA Karen's going to share her tea later in the show but before we get started I just want to let everybody know that Miss Liz is black and white collection is on sale now on her website check that out my books are there as well check those out and I want to thank everybody for joining me and Danny Covey on Saturday for the Heart Stroke Walk. We so far have raised $480 of our $1,000 goal. So if you'd still like to make a donation, check out Miss Liz's Facebook page, all of my other platforms, and make a donation. As little as $5 will go a long way, and you get a tax receipt from the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada. So all that good stuff, we got that all out of the way. And we got the last week of June. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe we're going into July. And Miss Liz will be away for one week in July, so you will not have tea time for one week. I am taking a break after 78 tea times i think i need a break so <laughs> so let's get started so the disclaimer for miss liz's tea time live show miss liz myself is going live using streamyard before leaving a comment please grant streamyard permission to see your name at streamyard.com please be advised that the content brought forward for any tea time show hosted by myself miss liz is always brought forward in good faith however may bring forth dialogue and opinions that are not representative of my platform the facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All tea time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussion for some where they may be, may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about the disclaimer, you may or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in today's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that this show is not made for you at this time, I respect that and we'll see you at a later show at a later date and time. And again, all tea times this year in 2023 are done on a Thursday, 10, 3, and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If it is done on a Monday or Tuesday, it is a rescheduled show. This is how we work. We try to get everybody in and we just serve good, strong TEAs over here. So now let me give you a little bit on Karen. Who's Karen? You're asking. Well, Karen Ford is a master financial coach, public speaker, entrepreneur, author, and real estate investor. Karen is a master financial coach, public speaker, entrepreneur, and author who has coached people with a variety of many issues. From just $500 in debt to $800,000 in debt. She has coached folks with up to 86 credit cards and 
taught them how to pay down and pay off those credit cards in record time. 86 credit cards. Ooh, we're going to get into that. Karen's mission is to inspire others to rid themselves of death and build wealth. She encourages others to break the shackles of death, debt and gives vulnerable insight in build, into building wealth so they can experience financial freedom. Karen Ford's number one Amazon best-selling book, Money Matters, is a discovery for many. This book is not only motiva motivational, but practical. She is avid, she's an avid estate investor who enjoys buying, selling, and flipping properties. She has even bought properties for as little as $10. Oh, I need to ask her how she did that. And turned a few dollars into thousands. In Money Matters, she provides keys to demolishing debt, shares how to budget correctly, and gives principle in wealth being, wealth building, not being, being Now, let me get carried in here and let me sip on some tea. That's a whole mouthful right there. So let me get carried in here and let's find out a little bit more about Karen. So hey welcome, there. Karen. <laughs> I'm good. Right to the end. Right to the end. And then I'm just like being, no, building. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, my goodness. Wealth building is wealth being, right? <laughs> right? We got to be a, be a building to build. That's right. So, That's Karen, right. welcome to the show. And I want to get into who Karen is. And I do this with all of the guests. So let's start with little Karen to Karen now. And then we're going to get into money, money, money. All right. Sounds good. Well, Karen, then I am actually a retired registered nurse. Uh, I used to work in the bone marrow transplant unit at uh, Ruby Memorial Hospital in Morgantown, West Virginia. And uh, it kind of transitioned. I had a friend of mine tell me, Karen, you're so good with money and numbers. You ought to go get some more training and, and become a financial coach. Well, I took them at their word and I did. And I actually uh, discovered after becoming a master financial coach that I love it. And actually, it was a great transition for me because in the nursing field, they were kind of switching things at that time from paper documentation to all computer documentation. And long story short, I fell in love with helping people in another way. And I know some people are watching thinking, wait a minute, how in the world did you get from being a nurse to being a financial coach? What do those two have in common? And actually I look at it like this, Miss Liz, as a registered nurse, I helped people get healthy physically, but as a master financial coach, I help people get healthy financially. And actually the two do go together because Let's face it, if you have money problems, that means you've got stress in your life and stress can cause physical problems. <laughs> you can end up with uh, an eating disorder because <laughs> you're stressed or you're not eating or you can have blood pressure issues, cholesterol issues. There's a whole gamut of health issues that actually can get resolved if you rid yourself of stress and one of the number one ways, in my opinion, where people get stressed out is in the money-related arena. So I feel like I'm killing two birds with one stone, <laughs> helping people get healthy financially. I like that, the money arena. Right. It's like the, the goalie scores, right? Where you're throwing in the pucks, like, you know, you put yourself in that, you keep putting it in the goal, in the goal, in the goal, That's right. you know, and then the goal just. Right. Yeah. You know. People have so many, you know, problems when it comes to money and, and that's unfortunate. And I want to help people take control of their money. I really do. Because I look at it like this, Miss Liz, there's no financial situation that's hopeless. If you got yourself into debt, you can get yourself out of debt. Just like that couple that had 86 credit cards. Right? I was like, whoa, like how, do, how does anybody get that much credit card to begin with? Well, I tell you, this lady contacted me. This was several years ago. And she and her husband wanted to have a coaching appointment with me. And I said, okay, so we set the date and the time and they both, you know, showed up. And I asked a series of questions in my first coaching 
uh, session with a couple or an individual or what have you, because I need to see, I need to get some kind of a picture, a snapshot, if I may say, of what your money, your financial situation looks like. So I actually send an email first, only takes about five minutes for them to give me the information I'm asking for. But in the coaching session itself, I start delving more in depth of what the money situation looks like for you. And so I start asking, okay, uh, tell me what your utilities run each month. And then I start talking about monthly payments, credit cards. So one of the last questions I ask is credit cards. How many credit cards do you have? What are your credit cards? So I said, okay, can you tell me some of the credit cards you have? And they started naming them. And I said, okay, what's the balance? What's the payment? And then I said, is there anything else? <laughs> and, After 86 credit cards, right? Is there well, anything else? We started else? naming, I think they named maybe 25 or 30. And that's when I said, is there anything else? And the wife's face turned beet red. And she said, well, and now this is a married couple. Well, I have some credit cards that he doesn't know about. And I thought, oh, I'm thinking in my mind, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> this I is said, not good. Okay. <laughs> so I made it light. I said, okay, well, tell me what those credit cards are and start naming, you know, doc documenting that down. And, and so I said, okay, is there anything else? And his face turned beet red. And he said, well, I have some credit cards that she doesn't know about. So when it was all said and done, by the time we were done, there were 86 credit cards. The two of them together had credit cards together as a married couple, but then she had credit cards he didn't know about. He had credit cards she didn't know about. And so I just made it very light. And I just looked at both of them. I said, look, this could be Warbulls world war three right now but we're not going to do that both of you were wrong for not letting each other know but we're going to move on now because you both did wrong and now what we have to do is we have to tackle this financial situation and then we went right into the coaching session because i thought you know, this is not going to be good. I'm not a marriage counselor here right now. I am I'm a, a nurse. <laughs> and so, uh, although, you know, sometimes you end up doing a little bit of marital counseling when you're financial coaching a couple, but I thought, you know what, it's all, all the cards are on the table. No pun intended. All cards ended up on the table, all 86. And so then what we did is we actually went right into the coaching and, you know, delved into that. And so, uh, you, you know, one of the questions you ask is, how in the world can somebody end up with 86 credit cards? And, you know, I asked myself that question, but I think there's two reasons for that. Number one, I know people are probably thinking, why in the world would a credit card company give another credit card to this couple? Well, there's a reason for that. They're going to make money because all credit cards have interest attached. And so they figure, you know, if they're at 56 credit cards, because all they have to do, the couple doesn't even have to tell the credit card company how many credit cards they already have. That credit card company, all they need is your, your date of birth, your name, sometimes your social security number. They know how many credit cards you have. But that's why they're willingly going to give you another one, because they're going to roll the dice, so to speak, and think, you know what? They're probably going to pay us and they're going to pay us dearly because there's going to be interest on that credit card every single month. So they're going to roll the dice. They, they already know how many credit cards this couple had and they are going to willingly give it to them because they can see if they ever stopped paying, but this couple paid every month. And so it was kind of like Rob Peter to pay Paul one month. They might not pay that credit card, but the next month they did. So they're, you know, the credit card company, yes, they're kind of at fault for giving this couple a credit card, but then the couple is at fault as well. You know, they've already got 50 or 60 credit cards, but yeah, they're going to go for another one. Why? Because they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. They don't have enough money in the bank account to pay. And so they're using this credit card to pay for that credit card payment. So it's kind of like a shell game. 
Yep. You know, you put the ball under that shell, you move it around. Where is it? And so they're playing each month, but they're actually ending up in hot water when they do that, because you can never, here's a bomb for you. You can never bar yourself out of debt because every time I had a couple tell me one time, well, I tell, I had a person tell me one time, I'm going to go to the bank to get a loan to pay off my debt. And I looked at them straight in the eye and I said, you're going to go take a loan to pay off debt. And I repeated it back to them. You're really not, you're, you're not going to out of debt. It just doesn't work that way. You just went into debt to yep. pay off your debt, but you're still in debt. Yep. So, and that's unfortunate. And, and and that's what a lot of people do, right? They get all these credit cards, they mm -hmm. max them all out, and then they go get a loan, and then they have that loan to pay plus the credit cards. You know, you're you're just playing this vicious circle of debt, right? Right. right. And you never you never really come out on top by doing that. I've heard some people say, "Well, I'm going to get a consolidation loan and pay off all six of these credit cards and this furniture payment I have. I'm going to get a consolidation loan." Now, in the natural, it does kind of make sense to have one payment every month instead of six or seven payments. And the numbers might look good because your monthly payment under that consolidation loan is going to be less than all six or seven payments that you would have each month. But here's two problems with that. One problem is that consolidation loan, it might look good, but actually in the long run, you're going to pay more in the interest than you would if you paid the six or seven payments each month. That's one problem. The second problem is if you don't change your behavior, you're going to go down that road again. And some people say, oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Give it three or six months. If you don't change your behavior, then you're not only going to have a consolidation loan, but now you're going to have a consolidation loan payment plus another credit card or two credit cards or whatever. Because if you don't change your behavior, you're going to do it again. Yep. That couple that had 86 credit cards, two years prior, they had a consolidation loan. So now, look, they have a consolidation loan and they have 86 credit cards. So if you don't change your behavior, listen, winning with money is not about head knowledge. It's really not. I am not that smart. But if I can change my behavior and train my behavior, then you can change your financial scenery. You can change your financial, you can change it. But if you don't change your behavior, you're going to go down that road again. I've seen it time and time again. Yeah. That, that, and it is true, right? It's the mindset. Change the mindset. If you stay mind. in that same mindset, you're not growing, you're not changing, you're not getting ahead. All you're doing is just playing a just vicious circle with yourself, right? you know? And it's like you said, Karen, the, the numbers might look smaller, the payments might look smaller, but the interest will kill you. The interest will eat you alive. Right. People are not reading the small print when they're getting loans, first of all. Well, that's true. Yeah. They think Oh, I'm getting $5,000 loan. Well, you know what? You're paying $8,000 or $9,000. You're paying an extra $4,000 because you haven't read the small print. That interest is coming. You know, right. it's just like on a credit card. You might have a credit card of $1,000, but with the interest, that credit card is actually $2,000 that you're going to have to pay. Right. That's you know, so true. We're not being, we're not looking, we're not informing ourselves. We're not getting the knowledge. And that's why I wanted to have you on as a guest so that we could understand these things. For all the listeners out there who are struggling with financial, like you said, we can get out of it. If you change your behavior, you change your patterns, you can get out of it. If 86 credit cards and a consolidated <laughs> loan and you and you were you were able to manage that and get them on track, you know, is this couple back in credit cards? Have they changed their mindset? Actually, it's unfortunate. They ended up getting divorced about that. I knew was coming because the secret, because right? you know. You, did you know that the number one reason that people get divorced is money fights? It has to do with money. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And it doesn't matter if it's, 
you know, if it's a married couple that was married in a church, if they're Christian, whether it's whether you're Christian or not Christian, it's all money fights. Half, half of the of the divorces have to do with money fights. And so listen, you can prevent that. I'll tell you why. Because yes, marriage counseling is, marriage counseling is important even before you get married. Because you can't know everything about that person even before you get married. I've, I've been married 15 years to my husband. I still don't know everything about him. <laughs> you know, and he's still learning about what it is to be a woman. Okay. So we don't know everything about each other. Right. So here's, here's another bomb opposites attract, right? Yes. We look different. We act different. I'm a type A personality. My husband is not, he's, I, I, I'm like a bulldozer. He's very calm. He's, you know, he's easy going. I'm not, but see, that's what attracted me to him. And I'm a strong person. And that's probably what attracted him to me. But we balance each other out. So here's the other thing. If you're in a relationship, if you're married, chances are, here it is. If you're a spender, your mate is probably a saver. If you're right. a saver, it's that thing and yang. It's the black and white, right? <laughs> We need that. We need that we balance need that. scale. If you have two positives, you're not moving. You're not growing. You're not doing anything. Hey, listen, Life is boring. No, <laughs> if you have two savers, here's how I look at it. A saver, a spender needs a saver in their life. A spender needs a saver in their life so that they don't get ready to retire and have to eat dog food for the rest of their life because they spent everything. Okay. Yeah. A saver needs a spender in their life so they actually have a life yeah. right because it's not healthy to save everything 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 and never go to get to enjoy the fruits of your labor maybe yeah you want to go out to eat yeah you want to go take a trip yeah you want to take a vacation yes you want to enjoy some of the fruits of your labor but a spender needs a saver because you don't want to spend everything you make and then you get ready to retire and now you can't leave your house because you don't have the money to go do anything. So it balances each other out. So we need to actually embrace the differences. Embrace the difference. If you're a spender, embrace your mate who is a saver because they're actually going to benefit you so that when you get older, you can actually go, go take trips. You can, you know, th there's balance in that. There really is. What are you, Karen? Well, I'm a saver, but I can be a spender at times. I save, 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 so I can spend, right? So I can go take a trip. So I can go enjoy life. So I can go buy that new pair of shoes, right? So, you know, and that's balance. My husband and I, I tell you what, over the last several years, Anytime we get ready to take a vacation, that vacation is paid for before we ever get on that plane or before we ever get in that car. And that's a true vacation. And I'll tell you why. I know people that will take their three or four or five kids on vacation. They'll go to Disney World, wherever they go, and they, that credit card, listen, that's not a vacation when you come home and that credit card bill comes in the mail because that vacation that was meant to help you relax, you may have relaxed for that five or seven or 10 days, but now you're not going to relax because if you charged all of that, now you're working, 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 not only for your monthly expenses, but to pay for that vacation, which was meant to make you relax. So, our thoughts are get that vacation paid for before you ever leave your house. That is a true vacation because now you don't have to think about a credit card bill coming in the mail after you get home. <laughs> I, you know, I really, I, I like that, Karen, because, you know, people go on vacations and then they come back and they're all stressed. They're more stressed than when they went on vacation. And, and you ask them, how was your vacation? Oh, I don't know. I, I got all this to worry about. 
you should come back and say, you know what? I had a joyful time. I, you know, I experienced this. I did, but a lot of people will come back from vacation and they're more burnt out than when they went. Oh, you know? oh it's so unfortunate. It's so and that's why I always plan vacation at least three months ahead of time. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Make out a schedule and, you know, have it all, like you said, pay it before you go. So that when you is. come back, you're not having these big headaches of, oh, I got to pay this now. I got to pay right. that, you know, and a lot of people take out loans to go on vacation. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just like, Oof, what, yeah. what is going on? I think we need the education in the school systems at a younger age. I think grade five, let's start giving these kids budget sheets and teach them how to take $10, where would they put that $10, you know, and not put it to the last dollar, have that little bit extra, you know, right, because right. That's how a lot of children are learning. I got $10. I'm going to spend $10. Right. That, where's the savings? Where, where, where'd where right. you put your savings? You don't you have know, to spend it all. Yeah. You brought up a very good point with children because children, I've had people say, well, how young? Oh, honey, you can start them at three years old. Right. They're not going to have the complete concept of money. But here's my thoughts. I, I don't know how it is in Canada, but in America, in the United States, there is such, and this has happened, it's always been there, but it seems to be very prevalent, especially over the last six or seven years. There is such an entitlement mentality. Where it's like that in Canada. Think, <laughs> oh, where people think, well, you know, I'm going to stay at home and let the government take care of me. Really? I don't know that that's such a good idea. Uh, because if you are expecting the government or someone else to take care of you, they're calling the shots. Yep. They're going to tell you what to do and what you can't do. So I tell people, look, if a child is three years old, have your children start earning money. Attach work with money. Attach money with work so that you don't have a 25-year-old living in your basement. OK, you know, this sense of entitlement, this entitlement mentality, I'm on my soapbox now because that I just it's like nails on a chalkboard. To right. Me. Oh, I can't stand it. So I tell parents, listen, if your child is three years old, put up a little board with a picture because they can't read yet. But as yep. they get older and they learn how to read, you can attach words with money. OK, but if they're not reading yet, attach you know, a little, what can they do? Okay. They're three years old. They can fold little washcloths. Is it yeah. going to be perfect? No, it's probably not going to be perfect. Hey, mommy's going to give you a, a 25 cents or mommy's going to give you uh you know, a Canadian dollar. We're in Canada. Yeah. Canada. They can uh, do dishes, mommy, put the plastic okay. Tupperware in. They can do do dishes. Dishes. Uh, you know, you're going to fold this or, you know, as they get older, maybe they're six years old. Okay. They can sweep the kitchen floor. Is it going to be perfect? Probably not, but that's okay. Mommy's going to give you this, or I'm going to do you this. As they get older, okay, they can uh, vacuum. They can dust the furniture. It's going to have to be age appropriate. Now, listen, moms and dads, you don't have to pay them for every chore you give them. Uh, 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 uh. Just because they're a part of the Ford family, just because they're a part of the Miss Liz family, just because they're a part of the Smith family, whatever family you are in, listen, moms and dads, you go out and work and then you come home. No, 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 no. Those kids need to get off their iPads, get off their phones. When they get home from school, do your homework. And then these are the chores you're going to do. And this is what I'm going to pay you to do. But you're going to have chores to do that I'm not going to pay you to do because you're a part of the Ford family. Exactly. You're going to make your bed every single day. You're going to keep your, your room clean. You're going to do the dishes. You're going to wash the dishes or you're going to load them in the dishwasher, what have you. You decide what chores they're going to do. It's unfortunate that moms and dads come home from work and they're cooking, they're cleaning, they're doing the dishes and their kids are in their room watching TV on their iPhones, on the iPad, and they're not doing anything a part of that household. Yep. You moms and dads, listen, I grew up 
I'm one of seven kids and we begged our mom and dad, please get a dishwasher, please buy a dishwasher. And you know what my mom's answer was? We don't need a dishwasher. I've got seven of them. So <laughs> that's what my grandma used to say too. There were chores that we did. And every Saturday, it was a two hours. The all the girls, all the boys had chores to do. We cleaned the house from the top down. All beds were made. The vacuuming, uh, everything was wiped down. The windows were washed. The boys had to clean out the basement. They had to mow the grass. All of that was no pay. Okay. So don't give your children an allowance. Why would you give them an allowance just for breathing? No, attach money with work, attach work with money. So you don't have a 25 year old or a 30 year old living in your basement, in basement, mooching off of you. No, our job as parents is to raise our children to be a part of society, good citizens, working and living in their own place. So that's a big soapbox, but you can start teaching your children at three, get three jars, put one save, one says spend, one says give. We can also teach our children to give. It's healthy to give and to help other people. But I will have to say this, moms and dads, they're going to learn by example. Yep. So as parents, if we're not doing it, we can't say, don't do as I do, do as I say. No, they're going to, we're modeling for them, what they're going to do. So if we don't want our kids to get in debt, moms and dads, don't model pulling that credit card out and swiping it. Don't pull out your Apple Pay on your phone and, and teaching them that way. We need to model what they what we want them to do. Yeah. Right. We have to be that example. We do. You know, I am so glad that you are here this morning because moms and dads out there that, and listeners and ones that will listen to the replay later. Listen to this. You you know, we really have to start taking this entitlement mentality away because you got to work for stuff. You know, you can't just, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You know, like if you buy a brand new couch, all of a sudden your 20 year old is saying, well, I bought myself a new couch today. Hmm. Are you the one making the payments on that couch? I'm not sure about that one. You know, know, we really got to take that away. And finance is something that should be brought into the schools. It should be taught, not in high school, should be taught in the elementary schools, you know. And I love the word balance. And Mm -hmm. I love the word marriage. Marriage is one of the topics I put on my Facebook yesterday. Everyone's talking about marriage. They think it's instant happiness. It is not. It is work. (laughs) Just like finances is work. You know, you have to work it in order to have it balance. You know, if you don't work it, you don't balance it. And I'm really, really glad, Karen, that I have you here this morning sharing these, you know, this deep, hard discussion of, you know, parenting. Parenting, we, we really have to be the prime example for our children. You know, we can't expect our children to be something that we're not willing to do as a parent. So that's so true. That's so so I want to get into your T, Karen. So if I give you the word TEA, what words are you giving me this morning? I'm going to give you transformation, education and action. And the reason I say that is because some people want to change their finances. They want to change it, but what to change it, you're going to transform into somebody else (laughs) because if you're a spender now you're going to, and it's not going to happen overnight. I don't want people to think, Oh, I can't do it overnight. You don't have to do it overnight. Listen, it's little baby steps. You didn't wake up one day and tell your seven month old, okay, go walk in the kitchen and get me something to drink. No, they, that takes baby steps. They're going to stand up, they get their balance and then they might take a step or two. And then what happens? They wobble and then boom, they hit the floor. Listen, when it comes to money and learning how to deal with it, you're not going to run a marathon tomorrow in the financial arena just like a baby, just like a toddler or whatever, they're learning to walk. You're going to take a couple of steps and yeah, you're probably going to make mistakes. You're off balance and then boom, you hit the floor. But as you get your balance and start getting that, 
then look what happens. That baby starts taking five steps, six steps, eight steps. And then before you know it, they're running around and you're trying to chase them down, trying to catch up with them. Working with money, transformation, it takes time. And we do it one step at a time. I'm not asking you to cut up all your credit cards overnight, never buy ever anything again. No, it takes a mindset, behavior. You're going to change your behavior but it's one step at a time. Now, education, that comes through education because we don't know what we don't know. And so listening to wonderful podcasts like this, reading marvelous books, listen, the more we educate ourselves, then we can have action behind it. Because you know, I can tell you what to do. I can tell you certain steps to do, but unless you really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Unless you really want to do it, you're not going to Yeah. because it's from me. But if you listen to me and you read some of the books, then you're going to say, okay, well, I might not be ready to do that yet, but I'm willing and ready to do this part. Here's an example. I coached a young man. He was probably 26 or 27 years old. He was single. He had a good job. He had his own apartment. He made good money. But I thought, man, where is all your money going? And I looked at him and I said, do you drink coffee? And he said, yeah. And I thought in my mind, oh, <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> And I said, do you make coffee at home? He said, no, I don't even own a coffee pot. I drive through my special coffee place every single morning to get my specialty latte on my way to work every day. And he works five days a week. And I said, how much did that cup of coffee cost you? So he told me, and you know what? When it was all said and done, he was spending anywhere between $300 and $350 every single month on coffee, but he didn't realize it. Do you know why? The debit card or the Apple Pay or whatever. So it was mindless purchasing. And I said, do you realize you're spending somewhere between $300 and $350 a month on coffee? And it was an aha moment, what I call deer in the headlight moment for him. It shocked him. And I said, do you want to adjust that? Because, you know, I didn't want to use the word change because we're not willing to change, but we're willing to adjust. So I said, are you willing to adjust that? He said, yes, I am. I said, what are you willing to do? Now, I could have told him, stop drinking, stop going through that coffee place, start making your coffee at home. But I put the ball in his court because if it's his idea, he's going to do it. I said, what are you willing to adjust? I will get my specialty coffee just every Friday and the other days I will make my coffee at home. So he went from $350 a month on coffee to maybe 30 bucks, 35 bucks a month on coffee. So that made a big difference in his budget, in his money related arena. So that's why I say baby steps, yep. things that you can adjust do you drive to a convenience store uh, on your way to work once or twice or three times a week because you forgot to pick up a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread at the grocery store? Let me tell you something. Convenience stores, convenience costs. Yep. Convenience costs. When you go to the grocery store, those shelves right there at the register are called impulse shelves. Do you know why they're called impulse shelves? Because all the gum and the mints and the eyeglass kit and all of those things, we they know that we're going to make a last purchase. Oh, it's only $2. Oh, it's only $3. Oh, it's only $4. But that only, only, only adds up. And yep. they know that we're going to buy on impulse. That's why they put those shelves right there at the register. And that's why they call them impulse shelves. So the T transformation is only going to come through education, but then there has to be an action behind that education. We, you can listen to podcasts, you can read books, but if you never act on the, what you're learning, you're not going to change. You're not going to transform. 
That, and that's an amazing tea, you know, because it just flows nice, right? You need to do one, two, and three. And I, and you're talking about books. You're talking about podcasts. You can all tune into Miss Liz's Tea Times on Thursdays at three, uh, at 10, 3, and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But let's get into Karen's book because, Karen, you've written a couple of books. I, I've found five now. I've written five. I just, yeah, I, I was going to say I found five. So I, 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 so I found them all. So let's <laughs> talk a little bit about the five books. Okay. Well, the first book, and you'll know it's the first book because the title is way too long. <laughs> it's called 31 Days to a Greater Understanding of Money. And that book is a 31-day devotional. You know, we're living in a day and age where people like to read something quick of a morning that takes less than five minutes. That's one of the reasons why I did a devotional, because we live fast pace, lives. You know, you get up over the morning, you got to scurry out to work, but you, a lot of times will take that five minutes uh, to listen to a five minute, something on a podcast or read something that's going to take you less than five minutes. I'm a Christian. So it made sense to do a 31 day devotional. I wasn't ready to do a 365 day devotional. <laughs> I thought, well, let's just get it wet a little bit here. Let's, get my feet <laughs> let's just start off with baby steps. <laughs> let's do baby steps. So I did a 31 day devotional. That's the first book. The second book I did, which is the hot one, what I call hot, is Money Matters. And that book, the reason that it is titled Money Matters is for two reasons. Number one, money really does matter because you've got to have it to live. You got to have shelter. You got to have food. You have to have money to live. So that's one reason why I entitled it Money Matters. The second reason why I entitled it Money Matters is because that book encapsulates matters surrounding money, whether you want to learn how to properly budget, whether you want to get out of debt, whether you want to demolish debt, it goes through the steps of demolishing debt. What about right thinking with money? Does it really matter how we think about money? Oh, I guarantee you it does because thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, and habits become a way of life. So what we think about money, absolutely. Because if you keep thinking, well, I'll never get out of debt, I'll never get out of debt, I'll never get out of debt, guess what? That's going to come out of your mouth. And then you're going, you're never going to get out of debt because you said it. <laughs> and everything within your being is going to act on those words. So that's very important how we think about it. And then what about retirement? What about investing? Do you want to know how to invest in the stock market? Do you want to know how to invest in real estate? Do you want to know how to prepare for retirement? That book encapsulates matters surrounding money. The third book is Money Nuggets. That's a nice little stocking stuffer or, you know, uh, just a quick little read. It's Money Nuggets because it's statements, quotes that have to do with money. Okay, here's one. You can beg, borrow, or budget. That's a quick quip. All right, so that's Money Nuggets. And then the last book, which was just released, and I'm I'm thinking and hoping I don't do another book for quite a while because <laughs> the writing is not something I enjoy. <laughs> it's a and lot of work writing a book. It's a lot of work. And some people are literary. I don't consider myself literary. So writing is tedious, laborious. I don't really enjoy it. But this, the last one is called God's Economy. It has to do with the heart, your health, habits, and hope. What kind of heart do we have when it comes to uh, managing money? And so that's the, the fifth book and hopefully the last book for a while. <laughs> okay, I, got, I found a book that says you can do it. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there is another one. I find somebody else's it. book here. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's it. You can do it is on real estate investing. Real That's estate right. investing, whether you whether you buy from a real estate agency, a realtor, or you buy from an auctioneer, or you buy from the state auditor auction, 
or, you know, whatever. Maybe you want to get into rentals. Maybe you want to buy and then maybe just do something real quick, clean the house out, clean it up a little bit and just sell it. Let somebody else flip it. Or maybe you want to buy it and flip that. Thank you for reminding me of that. Good Lord. I forgot about that book. <laughs> I do my homework. <laughs> yes, you do. But that has to do with real estate investing. Listen, real estate investing is a great money maker. I really enjoy it. Um, I have a passion for it. I like it. So you asked about the property that I bought for $10. Yeah, for $10. yeah this was several, several, several years ago. I was just getting into real estate. Uh, I had delved into it a little bit. I had rentals at that time, but uh, now I don't know how it is in Canada. Uh, so we're going to have to probably figure this out. But in the United States, every state has what they call a state auditor office. And we have taxes we have to pay on property yes. every year. Yes. You have taxes there. So I don't know how they do it in Canada. But if you don't pay your property taxes every year, then it ends up where the state auditor office is going to sell it. Yep. So I don't know if Canada does that or not. Yeah, I mean, we do it too. Okay, well, I don't know what that office is called, but you could probably call them and find out, hey, what do you do with properties that have not paid their property taxes for two or three or four years? Do you auction them off? Because that's what happened with us. They auction it off. And at that time, the bidding started at $10. And so I didn't know what I was buying, but I was excited because I'm type A personality. I just want to buy something. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> I just want to buy something. And so, you know, that should have been a clue. Nobody bid against me. I thought, oh, good. I got a property. <laughs> no, don't, but, don't bid. It's well, mine. It's mine. <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew where the property was, but I had not laid eyes on it. Okay. So you, there's a process, you know, the previous owners had an opportunity to redeem it, but they didn't. And I went through the process. There is a process in that. I acquired an attorney. I did what I had to do. And then I got the deed. Well, I got the deed in the mail and I thought, well, I better go figure out where this is. So I went, well, long story short, it was a mobile home, kind of beat up looking on the lot. And uh, there was a big sign on it with big padlock. And the sign said, do not enter. This was a meth house. <laughs> oh, boy. This thing only paid $10. And I thought, now, wait a minute. What am I going to do with you? Because you, you can't clean that up. You got to yeah. get rid of it. And I thought, okay, let me think. Let me think. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to move this mobile home. Uh, it's on the lot. And so I'm just going to sell it. I only paid 10 bucks for it. So I posted pictures. I posted, you know, the lot size and I put the description on Facebook marketplace. And I said, you cannot live in it. This was a meth house. You have to remove it. You're buying this mobile home with the lot. And so I ended up selling it and I made money and I let those people deal with it. But I made money on it. But I learned my lesson. Lay eyes on it before you bid on it. And so each year we find out where the properties are. We go lay eyes on it. We make our notes and find out, okay, do we want to buy this, et cetera, before we ever go to the auction to buy. So don't ever buy a pig in a poke. You don't know what you're getting, um, but go lay eyes on it and see what it looks like, where it is, what's around it before you do that bidding. But you know, uh, that's a lot of fun. And I did make money on that, but I did learn my lesson. Don't, you know, don't buy it unless you see it first, but I didn't make money. So that's, that's good. Well, and that's a good point because there's a lot of things on marketplace that they'll put up a picture and then there's no property. There's no home. You know, right. you could be buying something that's not even there. You right. know, a couple of years ago, we looked at a home and we said, we're going to go and see it outside first, do some window shopping, see if it's really what we want. And we went and it was an empty field. Oh, and we were like, yeah. so glad we didn't fill out the application. We didn't yeah. send a deposit. You know what I mean? Do your homework. Do I tell this homework. to everybody all the time. Do right. your homework. Miss Liz makes you do homework. You know, save yourself a lot of headaches. And that's why we're here this morning talking about money because we want to save you some headaches. You know, mm -hmm. get some tools and tips. So yeah. I want to get I want to get into a couple questions that I ask all the guests. Okay. And Karen, I asked you what one word to describe yourself as an individual. And you gave me the word persistent. Why that word? 
define that word. Uh, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I, <laughs> I'm going to be very persistent. Um, here's, here's an example. Uh, uh, several years ago, I saw this house. My husband and I were driving around the neighborhood. It was actually the day after Christmas. And it was beautiful weather, if you can believe that. It was odd weather at that time. And it was actually, I think, 58 or 60 degrees, which is very unusual the day after Christmas. And we were driving around and we noticed in this particular uh, street, there was a house there and there was a foreclosure sign on it. And I thought, wow, you know, let's look at this. Of course, you couldn't go inside because you'd have to have somebody let you in. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, this has a nice lot. Uh, and I did some investigating. It was through HUD Home Store. I don't know how it is in Canada, but you can buy foreclosed properties through a uh, an agency. Okay, so this was an agency. And so I contacted them. I said, tell me about this property. And they said, well, it's foreclosed on, uh, but they had just put in a brand new central air conditioning unit, a brand new furnace, heating furnace, and a brand new hot water tank. And I thought, wow, those are big ticket items. Yeah. I'd like to look inside. So I went inside and, you know, desperately needed some new carpeting, definitely needed some paint and the kitchen uh, that definitely needed a kitchen because the kitchen that was there was really not a kitchen and the bathroom needed gutted and redone. And I thought, you know, I think I could do that. And they had a price on it. They had a price on the house. And I got in contact, even though it was a foreclosure agency, I still had to go through a realtor yes. to be the middleman. So I called my real estate agency uh, agent and I said, I want to bid on this property. And I said, how long has it been you know, foreclosed on, oh, it's been on foreclosure for over 60 days. And I said, well, there's nobody else is going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. And I said, but I want you to offer them $15,000 less than what they have, what they have it listed for. And they, she said, oh, they're not going to take that. And I said, I know that's what you think, but I, that's what I want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's my time. Well, that's it, right? If you don't try, you don't know. And so, she put the bid in. And so two days later, she came back and she said, they said, this is the amount of money they have to have. And I said, there's nobody else bidding on that house. I said, here's what I'm going to have you do. Put the bid in what I said, but increase it by a dollar, just one dollar and put that bid in today. And she said, well, they're not going to take it. And I said, I know that's what you think. <laughs> I said, but do it. So anyway, they come back two or three days later and say no and come back with that original price. So they did this five times. And so I told my real estate agent, I said, okay, this is the last time. This is it. You're going to raise it just one more dollar and you add, add a note. This is it. I know no one else is bidding on this property. I know I'm the only one. And you're not going to get that amount that you're asking for. So you may as well take the amount that I'm telling you to take. And so, but if they say no, I told my real estate agent, if they say no this time, I'm done. Three days later, they came back and they accepted the offer because they knew I knew. So I got the house that had the new hot water tank, the new furnace, the new central air. I went in, put a brand new kitchen in, put a brand new bathroom in, put new carpeting in and uh, painted all of the interior walls, put in new light fixtures and sold it and made money. So that's the word persistent. I'm not going to take no for an answer unless you do it, you know, 20,000 times, then maybe I'll accept it. <laughs> But Karen, you just gave a good thing for any of the listeners out there that are looking into homes. You know, you, you can come under bid and go up by $1 at a time, not $10,000 more. You know, $1 at a time, sometimes that $1 makes the difference. Right. You, know? you don't have to be quick coming up because, listen, if you come up high, high, high and, and they accept it, you might have just shot yourself in the foot. Maybe, you know, and you can't go back down low. So you yeah. may as well, if you come up, come up slow. Low and slow. 
you know, unless you've got 10 other bidders, then, you know, obviously you've got to rearrange your, uh, the way you're going to do it. But, you know, I wouldn't come up fast. Yeah. Well, especially if you're the only bidder, right? You're, why, right. why shoot yourself in the foot when you know you're the only That's bidder? it. That's right. right? Yeah. I, I love that. I, that's a good tool, you know, for all the new buyers out there, the young buyers that are buying homes, you know, don't be so fast to just ching, 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 because that ching, 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 the interest on your mortgage, there's more interest again, you know, and in Canada, we call them repo homes. I'm not sure yeah. if that's what they're called in the States. We but call them foreclosure. Yeah, but pretty much they're repossessed. Yeah. 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 And, and and you can get some nice homes and some you do need to do some work on and you can flip them and you can make your money. You know, right. you got to put a little in to get a little, you know, That's it's right. that give and take, you know. Right. Uh, so, Karen, your favorite color you gave me was red, I believe. Yes. So why red? I don't know. It's just vibrant. I have always liked red. I don't know why. Uh, it's a vibrant color. Um, I'm a very colorful person. I'm, you're not going to see me in a lot of beige or taupe. Not that there's anything wrong with that color. I like bright, vibrant, you know, if you go, you know, if you're going to do it, go big, go bright, go bold, so to speak. That's how I, that's how I roll. <laughs> I, I love it because you're like a fireball, right? You're That's not it. taking, you're not taking, no, you're, you're you know, you're just, you're, you're ready to come. Like, you know, That's you're it. hot and you're ready. Let's go. Let's do this. That's <laughs> yeah, if you saw my home, you would realize red is my favorite color because there's a lot of red on the inside of our home. Uh, I drive a red car. I, I just first, I, I don't know. There's just something about the color red. And I actually did a study on that or somebody did this. And they said that a lot of times restaurants put red, they, whether it's red carpet or they'll have red somewhere in the restaurant because red is a color that makes you hungry. And so they're trying to get you to eat more or order more than, you know, maybe than what you would have. And I thought that was an interesting fact that was shared. But yeah, I just like red. Yeah, I like it bright, colorful, vibrant. Wow. <laughs> I never thought of that because there are a lot of restaurants in Cornwall that have red. So red. now I know what they're doing. They're trying to yeah. make me eat. <laughs> well, and if you go someplace blue, um, is a very calming color. So, um, you know, not to be morbid, but a lot of times funeral homes have blue, various shades of blue. It's places that, you know, and I think courtrooms or courthouses may have blue because it's a calming color. You know, think about the ocean. <laughs> it's blue. It's very calming. So that's just interesting, you know. That's why I asked that question, what your favorite color is. And as you can yeah. see, I'm wearing red. I To represent and to give honor to my guests, I wear their Me favorite too. colors. I like the so red they're red. not in their posters. They're not in their flyers. They're mm -hmm. on Miss Liz. So you just got to keep checking Miss Liz out and see what color Miss Liz is actually wearing. <laughs> Miss Liz is wearing black and white. I am wearing Miss Liz's hoodies. They are very comfortable. But I have the red scarf on. I have the red bracelet on. I represent my guests in honor of them taking the time. And I've got your fuchsia to match the Miss Liz TEA. There you go, right? This is how we blend. We we That's flow right. nice and smooth together in this house. So before we wrap up, we're getting to the hour here. We have a couple minutes left. Karen, three quick tips for anybody out there on money. Three quick tips. Number one way to take control of your money is the four letter word budget. It's really not four letters, but a lot of times people think it's four letter cuss word and it is not. Number one way to take control of your money is budget. Number two tip, be in the driver's seat with your money because if you're not in the driver's seat with your money, your money is gonna leave you and you won't know where it went. And number three is hope. It doesn't matter how much debt you have. There is always hope for your financial situation. I love it. This is how we work. We budget and we drive and we okay. have hope and we keep going on. You know, I, right. want really, I really want to thank you, Karen, for sitting and having tea with me today. You know, without educating the public and getting these onto our on these podcasts, you know, there's podcast is a new way 
pod is in podcast audio. If you're driving, you can listen to this podcast. If you're if you found that this tea time was uh, it resonates with you or could help somebody, share the tea time. You know, keep share, share, share. We can always get it out there. And again, Karen, I want to thank you for joining me. I will be back at 3 p.m. with podcasting. That's right. We're doing podcasting this afternoon with Dr. Tina Ramsey from the United States. Today, we're in the United States all day. And she's going to be talking about networking, podcasting, how to build your business, all of that good stuff. Get online, get into the virtual land. We're going to talk a little bit about the AI, how you feel about that as well. And then in the evening, we're going to be going into the United States again, and we're going to be talking about books. We're going to be doing some mystery, some suspense, some comedy, all of that. We're going to be joined with Anne Charles from the United States, and she'll be talking about her Deadwood series. So you want to check that out. So today... The guests are persistent, persistent, and determined. Those are the three words that we are serving today on Tea Time. So until then, I will see everybody at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the second Tea Time of June 29th, 2023.